This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, Parshat Lachal 5782, we have Parak Yud Zayin, Pasuk Yud Zayin. The Pasuk says, Alpana Vayitzchok. Avram Avinu fell down to his face to the ground and he laughed. Vayom Belibo, he said to his heart, Halaven Mea Shani Yivoled. Will a 100 year old man give birth? Vim Sarah Habastishim Shana Teled. Will Sarah, 90 years old, will she be able to give birth? So the first thing is Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar points out that the word Vayapo over here was used earlier in Pasa Gimel about Yishmael. He fell down twice. One for Yishmael over there in Pasa Gimel, one over here about Yitzchak. To be Mechaven Daito for Nevuah. Before Avram Vinu had the bris mila, before the bris mila was fully with him, he couldn't prophesy without falling down to his face. He wasn't on the level to do so yet. That wasn't the level that he was on because the orla was disgusting to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Afterward, he was able to get a nevuah normally. But until that point, Vayapil was part of the nevuah. This happened by Bilam as well. By Bilam, we see in Parshish Balak, it says, No fill the Galway and Aim. He fell and he was revealed right, to see what he was supposed to see. The only way for him to have gotten anything is just from, from that. Now Rashi says, Targum Unklis translates this word by Yitzchak as V'chadi. V'chadi means he was very happy. He believed everything he had heard. That's how Rashi translates it. By Sarimim, we translate it as Machoch. Machoch almost seems like a joke. She laughed at the statement. She made fun of it. The question is going to be, what's the real difference here? They both laughed. Avraminu laughs. Sarimim laughs. What's the difference between them where Targum Unklos picks up on it? Because it's the same word in which by Avram Avinu, it's Chadi, happy, and by Sarimenu, it's Machoch, it's a joke. What's the reason? And why is the Kaddish Baruch who's so upset at Sarimenu, but no anger at Avram Avinu at all? Clearly, a Kaddish Baruch wasn't upset because right after this, he says, call this child Yitzchak. Which sounds like, because you laughed, that's a great thing. It sounds like that's a positive thing. Now, the Ibn Ezra says, if you look at both Psukim, here by Avram, there by Sarah, it's clear that her words were more shocking than Avram's. That's why she was punished. He doesn't explain himself. He just says, if you look at the words, you'll see that clearly. The Balitosas point out that over there, he laughed Billy Bo. She laughed Bikir Ba. And that's different laughings. One is Billy Bo saying to himself, that's amazing. Bikirba means at herself. She was laughing at herself saying, are you kidding me? You think I'm going to have this? And that's what the Ibn Ezra seems to be pointing out. It says the Valitosis, that's what it means. You can tell from the wording how they laughed. And, what they did. and I think that's pretty obvious. You can hear people laugh in many different ways. Some people laugh one way, some people laugh the other way. You can tell if they're joking or if they mean it. And I think that's the difference between them. The Tzavis Bracha says this is like the difference between a Ganev and a Gazlan. It's a Ganev is punished with Kefal. He has to pay double. A Ganev is a guy who steals at night. Why? Because he's, he's afraid of man, but he's not afraid of Hashem. He's afraid of people because he's doing it at night. He doesn't want to get caught. But he's not afraid of, I should say he's afraid of man, but he's not afraid of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. He's not afraid of a Kaddish Baruch Hu because he's willing to steal. A Goslin is not afraid of anyone. He does it during the day, which means that a Goslin doesn't have to be careful. He's, so to speak, on a higher level. Avram's laugh was out loud. It could be seen by someone watching him. Even though it was Belibo, it was really in his heart. He said it in a way where everybody understood what he was doing. They looked at him, they saw him laughing. Sarah's laugh was merely... I'm sorry? Can you explain the two laughs? Like, when did he laugh and when did she laugh? 
both once once they heard that they were going to have a baby. Avram Binu in his message that a Kaddish Baruch Hu gives them, and Sari Minu when the Malachim come and tell them that they're going to have that laugh. So both of them heard it when reference to having a child, right? But somehow that's going to be different. Yes. Yeah, and that's idea. So Avram's laugh was out loud. He could be seen by someone watching him, while Sarah's laugh was merely Bikir Buk, could not be seen by anybody. That's why she was punished while Avram Binu was not. Now, Rav Schwab says the difference between the two is that Avram Binu fell to his face while laughing. He fell down to his face, indicating that he was in a state of euphoria, thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu, bowing down to Hashem for the great news, eternal gratitude that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was allowing the staff and the tremendous news that he heard over here and showing his humility as well. Sari Minu did not do so. She stood up straight. She laughed. And that was it. And that's the difference between the translations. That Avram was showing other things while laughing, also bowing, also showing servitude, also showing, while Saramina was just laughing. And that's the difference. The Riva, is one of the Balitosas, points out, however, there's a good reason why Saramina wouldn't have believed this as much as Avram would have. Avram heard this in a direct nevuah from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, from a prophecy that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was giving him. Saramina heard it from a passing Arab that had just finished a meal. She didn't know that it was a malach necessarily. So of course the reaction is going to be different from Sariminu to Avram Avinu. So it's weird that we blame Sariminu for what happened when Akadosh Baruch told Avram himself and Sariminu hears it from a malach. They answer it. They say that Sariminu was on the level she should have known that this wasn't just a passing Arab. She should have known what exactly this person was doing. She should have known it was a malach. They answer it. But regardless, it's an interesting point that the Reva points out. Dave, what were you going to ask before? No? Nothing? No, I'm going to, sorry. Uh, I was going to ask you um, about the, uh, that Hashem wouldn't talk to him because he didn't have a bris. Yeah. Where do we? But, but that time where's, where's not the, the same type. Period? He talked to him. He talked to him, obviously, but not the same type of Nebuah. Like, where do we learn that at that point in time in history? That the, the, cause there was no bris at that point. No, I, I, it's more of a question of, it's not a question of what he was supposed to do in order to get a Nebuah better. It's a reality. Nebuah is only on a certain level. What, if you're not on that level, you can't get it. Bilam was not on that level. He didn't get it. Avraminu was not on that level at that time, so he couldn't get it. It was a different type of Nevuah, so he fell to his face in order to get it. Sort of like Daniel. You can see that in Daniel as well. Other than Adam being Rishon being mole from birth, there was no there was no chiyuv to do any kind of bris. No, again, there's not. It's not a question of a chiyuv. No, no, no. It's not a question of a chiyuv. Yeah, Noah was also born with a bris, so it was shame. But either way, but it, but there was no chiyuv. There wasn't a question of a chiyuv. No, nothing, nothing that we know of. The Ramban says, whenever someone hears or sees something shockingly good, this smile is so huge, it takes up his entire mouth, so to speak. Avramina was therefore saying, if someone heard that a 100-year-old married a 90-year-old, right, and had a child with it, would he not be super happy about it? He never meant for this to be something impossible that he couldn't believe was going to happen. He rather, he was so happy that such a thing could happen. It, it was a laugh. It's just like, oh my gosh, how could you not be euphoric about this? How could you not? That's how the Ramban puts it. Similar to how Rav Schwab says it. The Rabbin of Achai says the same. Avramin was never denying a Kaddish Baruch Hu's abilities, Chas He was pointing out that naturally this could have never happened. It must be in the hands of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Hashem is awesome. Hashem has allowed this to happen. He was super happy. The Ibn Ezra says Avramin's question is, but oh, he had a kasha. He said, but 
my wife no longer is in the process of Nida. How is it even possible for her to have a child? He was shocked and surprised, but not denying. And that's the ultimate point here. He was never denying anything. There was never any denial whatsoever. Now, the Abarbanel and the Malbum say, really, Avramina was pointing out three wonders here, three crazy things that were happening. One about himself, that I'm so old. Can an 100-year-old give birth? That's me. Also, right, the Im Sara. Right? Sari Minu herself is an Akara. She's barren. We know she's barren. She's going to have a child. That was shocker number two. And then Hapastishim Shanatela. She's also 90 now. That's the third shocker. It's a triple shocker over here. One of these things maybe could happen. Two of these things maybe could happen. But three, how could that happen? That's the idea behind it. The Oznayim Torah says Avram Minu's intention was to count the miracles. One, two, three. Look how amazing this is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He's counting them off one by one. How many things HaKadosh Baruch Hu is on? The Bechor Shur and the Rav says the proof that he believed it would happen is because of the vow, as we said before, that shows his things. The Igritakala says that Avram Minu, knew that this child would be born because he saw the word Yitzchak appear in front of his eyes. This is an amazing idea. The word Yitzchak appeared in front of his eyes. He knew that the letter Yud represents the Koach Ladah, the ability to give birth. I'm not sure why. We always say hey is the ability to give birth, but this is not my forte. I don't know. But the Yud rep- represents that Koach Ladah. The Ches represents the eighth day, that this child that will be born will be the first child to have a bris on the eighth day of his life. Because remember, Avraminu had it at 99, Yishmael had it at 14. The for- first person to have it at 13, I'm sorry, first person to have it at eight days will be this child, the Yud, Koacholada, the Ches, and then the Tzadi and the Kuf was his age, the Kuf was his 100 years old, and the Tzadi is his wife's age, 90 years old. When he saw that word, Yitzchak, he knew it was going to happen very soon, and that's why he bowed down, and that's why he laughed, because the word Yitzchak that he saw made him realize how awesome this is going to be. The Baramayim Chaim, a great Hasidish Sefer, says, Hashem told him, the Gam Nasati Mimena Lecha Bain. I will also give from her to you a son. After he had changed their names to Avraham from Avram and Sarah from Sarai. What Hashem meant to say was, listen to the wording again. The Gam Nasata Nasati I gave Mimena, not means from her. Mimin Hey. From the Hey. The extra hay that I added to your name, Avraham, and the extra hay that I added to Sarimino's name, the hay, Sarah, instead of Sarai, that's what's going to help you give birth. And Avraham was shocked. Ha leben me'ashana. Hay, leben me'ashana. The hay is effective even for an 100-year-old person. Ha lebas tishim shana. Hay, lebas tishim shana. Can the hay work for a 90-year-old woman? What in, in the world, said the Bear Meichayim, is in the hay to allow that to happen? He thinks that one letter, one little letter, the hey, has the ability to do such a thing. But Avram shouldn't have been so shocked. Not only is the hey one of the letters of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name, the great ineffable name, Yudke Vavke, but it's twice, two times it's used in the, na- in the name itself. The hey is used to create the world. The hey is the definition of the world, so to speak, that even if you fall out, you can always come back in. That's the definition of what the hey represents. Says the Medrash Rabbah, Perek Lamites, Hashem said, with a hey, I created the world. Now I will add a hey to your name and you'll be able to have a child. I will recreate a brand new world within you. That's what he was saying to him. Says the Bear So it's interesting. The Igrit Akala says it really comes from the Yud, 
right, which was split up and became a hay and a hay for Avram and Sarah. But the Yud was the Koach Olada. The Eber Maim Chaim is saying it comes from the hay, Vegam Nasati Mimenam, Mimin Hay, Halibas, Haliben. That's where it comes from, which is amazing. It's a, it's a really amazing idea. It's very similar to Rabbi and Aibshit says, people ask the question, they say, why would God create Rashaim in this world? Why would Hashem allow there to be evil people in the world? And the answer is obvious, right? Because Olan Kimin Hagunog, the world runs the way Hashem wants it to run. Everyone's allowed to decide to do for themselves. They can do whatever they want. But if a tremendous miracle happens that allows a child to be born, then that child must be a tzaddik. Because a Kaddish Baruch who wouldn't do a miracle for nothing. If a miracle happens that allows a child to be born and it wouldn't have happened otherwise, then clearly that child is not going to be a Russia. And that's why Avramino is so happy. Not only is he being promised a child, he's being promised a child through a crazy miracle. A child being born through a crazy miracle is going to be a tzaddik. And that's why he's so happy about it. That's why he's so happy that this child is going to be born every year. That's how Rabbi Yonas Naibshit says it. The Ksav Sofer says, Avramino until this point had accepted his fate. He thought that it would be better not to give birth to a child, then give birth to someone who was a Russia. He assumed that Hashem was holding him back from having a child because the child he was going to have was not going to be a good person. He assumed that was it and he accepted it. He was mekabalitav. He said to himself, you know what? This is what Hashem wants. This is what Hashem wants. If Hashem doesn't want me to have a child, clearly there's a reason he accepted it. But once he heard that the child was going to be born through a miracle, says the Ksav Sofer, he knew the child would be a, a tzaddik. Same reason as Rabbi Yonazan, because a, a, Hashem wouldn't do a miracle l'shikra. For a lie. That's how I knew this child was going to be amazing. Where Victor Miller says, even Suri Menu's laughter was not out of ridicule. Her level was way above our level. Because we only laugh in the end when we see prophecies coming true. Uz yamale schok pinu that we say in our benching. Uz yamale schok pinu. Then our mouths were laughed. That's when we're going to laugh out loud when Mashiach comes. But Suri Menu laughed before it came true, knowing it was going to come true. She was greater. She knew what was going to happen. Avram laughed as if it had already come true. He could see it in front of his face. He knew his trust in Akash Baruch was so great. It was, he was able to reach that level. Sariminu laughed, not because she saw it, because she knew that eventually she'd have a child. She believed it. So the line that Victor Miller says is, there's two levels here. Avraminu was on the level where he saw it with his own eyes the child he was going to have. As soon as Hashem said it to him, he not only believed it, he saw it. Sariminu believed it. And we were on a much lower level. We only believe it when we see it. When we see it, then we believe that it actually happened. Uz Yamale Schokpinu. That is when we laugh. So even Sari Minu is way, way above our level of laughing after we see it all already happening. She laughed. She's rebuked because she should have been an Avram Avinu's level. Avram Avinu's level, the ability to see it in front of his eyes. Sari Minu didn't see it. She just believed it. That, that's not the level you should be on, sorry. You should be on a higher level. But for us, halavai, we should be on sorry Menu's level. If only we could even believe it before it happened, before we see it itself. Yishmoel is the lowest level. He was in Perak Chafal of Pusik Tess. He laughed in ridicule, in jest. He didn't believe it at all. Didn't believe it at all. And even when he saw it, he couldn't believe it. That's the lowest level you can possibly get to. Can and you this. Avraminu's son. He's so that's so he had a son already. That's correct. That's okay. the idea because the nations that we're going to have later on, 
that Yitzchak Avinu would meet for the rest of his life would be ridiculed by those nations. They will always be able to look forward to the great things that Sarimenu saw. That when Yishmael laughs, the nations laugh at everything that B'nai Yisrael know to be true. We should have that idea that in the end, we'll be the ones filled with laughter. And that's the idea. Yishmael represents the nations. Sarah and Avram Avinu represent us, so to speak. And Yitzchak Avinu being named laughing, he will laugh represents our ability to see the way through the olam all the way through and to believe that HaKadosh Baruch is going to let everything happen in the best possible way. Dave? Uh, where do we learn that Yishmael laughed and what did he laugh Parakhof about? Parakhof Pasuk Tess. It says Yishmael laughed about Sarah. There's a question what exactly the Pasuk's talking about, but look at Parakhof Pasuk Tess. Right? That's what we're referring to. There's Machlokas Midrashim, but it, who exactly we're referring to. But yeah, it's the same place where Sari Menu had it and Yishmael laughs right at her. So that's the idea behind it. We're going to see it, you see it a little bit later. I'm sorry? Was Yishmael present? Of course, he served. Rashi. Of course, he was serving the whole time. Right? He was part of this whole thing. Right. I mean, it just had a bris mila, but yeah, yeah, 100%. Of course. All right. Good 13 year old, his good bar mitzvah present was the bris mila. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, not kicked out yet, right? Because she wasn't kicked out with anything. Mm, yeah, maybe or not. It depends how sorry Manu treated. I have no idea. That I don't know. But she's not mentioned. I can't tell you. I mean, I, I can only go with what Rashi says. You know, well, I can't go more than that. Rechaim Knievsky says in Time to Crawl that Avram Minu wanted to be Mekayim the Mitzvah of calling Sorry Minu by her new name. Avram Minu had just been told that Sorry Minu's name was going to be changed. So he wanted to be Mekayim that by saying the name right now. Halabas Tishim Shana Sarte. The wording is Halabas Tishim Shana. Uh, where is it? I'm sorry. Halabim Sara. Halabas Tishim Shana Teleid. Sara Minu at the age of 90 will she give birth? He wanted to mention her name as Sara. It's the first time he ever mentioned his wife's name without the Yud. So he wanted to say it out loud so it was specifically done in that way. Rambam Paskins here. Kadibor. It's a long idea, but Tami de Cross says that way. Okay. The Chiskuni says the opposite. Everything we've been saying up until now is that Avram Avinu was amazing. Even Sari Avinu was amazing, but just not on the same level as where Avram Avinu was. But everybody agrees that Avram Avinu was awesome. Everything we've been going with up until now has been going that way. But the Chizkuni says differently. The Chizkuni says, by Tzadikim, their words are always al-libo, on their hearts. Only by Rishayim do we see the word bilibo, because they are in the hands of their own Yetzirah. They cannot think straight. They serve their own hearts. Aulibo means you're on top of your heart. You rule over your Yetzirah. You're in charge of everything over there. But Bilibo means your hearts are on top of you. You're listening to what your heart tells you. Your Taiva, your Yetzirah, your desires are ruling over you. Which is weird. Because if that's true, that's what the Chizkuni says based on the Medrash. Our Pusik clearly says, Avram laughed Billy Bo. Vayomer Billy Bo. That's the wording for Rishayim, not for Tzadikim. Why would that be? Now, the Nitziv says the rule is only true when a Tzadik's name is mentioned. Avram's, Avram Binu's name is mentioned. It says, Vayomer Billy Bo. If it said, Vayomer Avraham Billy Bo, then we'd have a problem. But it just says, Vayomer Billy Bo. So it doesn't apply here. That's how the Nitziv puts it. But the Chizkuni says from here that Avram Vinu was wrong. And just like Sari Minu was punished for laughing, Avram Vinu was punished for laughing. That was a punishment, 
not a good thing that he actually got punished for, that Tzoro Amor says the same. And that's why he then asked for Yishmael to live because he thought it would never happen through Sarah, and at least he would have Yishmael. He actually did the wrong thing. That's how the Torah more puts it. He did the wrong thing. It's also brought by the Medrash Chefetz, the Lekach Tov, the Medrash Seichel Tov, as well as the Bechor Shor and the Redak. They also the same thing as the Chizkuni. They said that Avraminu was wrong for laughing. The Abarbanel hints this. He says, I would say this if not for Rashi and the Ramban. But he's, they all say it from that word belibo, it's clear that they think that Avraminu did the wrong thing here in laughing. Now, the one thing they don't answer, and I don't have an answer for this, is if it's true that he did the wrong thing, then why was his name Yitzchak? Why would you name him for the chait of Avraminu? I, I don't have an answer for that question. They all say it, but they don't explain why he's then called Yitzchak. But this is a tremendous, this is a nice, look, we got a lineup here. The Seichel Tov, the Lekach Tov, the Medjah Chefetz, the Bechor Shor, the Redak, the Abarbanel, and the Chizkuni. That, that, that's pretty impressive. And the Tzor Amor. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty darn impressive. Either way, regardless, we go with the other Rishonim that clearly say that Avram was doing the right thing. And then Siv gives a really interesting explanation. He says, Avram never doubted HaKadosh Baruch Hu's abilities, Chas Shalom. He wondered why Hashem gave the words, as we mentioned before, mimena, as then miminhe. Why do you say that instead of vatelet bain? Just say she'll give birth to a child. All these words, I will give from her to you a child. Just say she'll give birth to a child. So Havramino heard that and he made an inference. He looked at it and he said, Look, if you wanted to tell me, God, that Saramino was going to have a child, then you would have said straight out, Vatele Bain. Instead, you gave all these words, Agam, Nasati, Mimen, Bain. Says in a tiv, he said, Ah, oh. Avramini said, I get it. It's not going to be a real child. We're going to find a child and we're going to adopt him. And that'll be the child. She'll give you a child, not through birth, but through somewhere else. And that's going to be the child. And he said, Okay, that's great, Akadish Baruch. But that's why he looked at Hashem and said, Lu Yishmael, Lu Yishmael the next passage, he said, should Yishmael be that child? Maybe Yishmael is going to be that child. And Hashem said, no, 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 no. It's going to be a child through Sarah. It's going to be a child through Sarah. But this concept is still given elsewhere. If you remember in Rus, Parak Dalid, it says when Rus gave birth to the child, right? Oved, who eventually gave birth to Yisha, eventually gave birth to David Melech. It says, Yulad ben Lanaami. A child was born to Naomi. Naomi had the child, but it was really Rus's child. So maybe it'll be the same thing over here. Maybe Yishmael's going to be the child through Sarah, and that's Vigam Nasati Mimena Lechabain, and that's what it refers to. He had absolutely no idea. He didn't even think it could possibly be another child. And that's why he questioned, that's why he wasn't sure, that's why he laughed. He laughed. He wasn't sure, says Nitziv. He wasn't sure exactly what a Kaddish Baruch Hu meant. The Ksav Sofer says there was another reason why Avramino asked Yishmael to live. He knew that people would question this birth. They would say to themselves, come on, these guys have been married for 70 years. She's 90 years old and he's 100, right? It's got to be someone else's baby. Where else would this baby have come from? Maybe Avimelech's baby. There's no way that this child could really be from Avram and Yitzchak. And therefore he asked that Yishmael should live so they would see that he was Zohar to have a child with someone else. Somehow it happened over here with Sari Minu as well. And HaKadosh Baruch said he won't even need it. Aval Sara Yishtachov Yolad Chabain. Sarah, your wife, is going to give birth to a child for you. She's going to have a child. No one's going to question it. It's going to look exactly like you. You won't have to worry about anything. Everything will be right there. The Al-Sheikh also mentions this as well. 
It's an amazing Alshech. Rashi wonders why Avraminu could not believe that a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman would not have been able to give birth. Wasn't this right by the generations before the Mabel? Now, granted, this is the year 2048. Avraminu is 100 years old, 2048 from the creation of the world. The Mabel happened in 1656, 500 years ago, right? 500 years earlier than this had happened. But people were living thousands of years before the Mabel. They had lived in 969 by Misushelach. People were still giving birth at a very, very old age. Shame gave birth after 100. Noach gave birth after 500. Why was it such a Shiloh to Avram Avinu that he was giving birth at the age of 100? Why was that such a Shiloh? These people were still around. Shame was still alive. Noach was still alive until Avram Avinu was 58 years old. Why in the world was he questioning and said, could a 100-year-old person give birth? Yes. Yeah, you saw it often by the people above you. All these people gave birth that. What's the Shiloh over here? And he answers, this is how Rashi answers it. He says, by the times of Avraminu, things had already begun to change. It no longer was the way that it once was. People started giving birth younger and younger and younger, and the Pesukim go through that. Slowly but surely, no longer were people giving birth at the age of 100. It was now down to 30, maybe even 20. But people were giving birth at much, much younger ages. And therefore, this was a shocker. At the time, he couldn't believe it. Now, the Ramban doesn't understand this answer at all. Avram Avinu lived to the age of 175. Hey, yeah. Is there a biblical reason as to why the age got younger? If you meant biblical, meaning straight out from the Torah, no. But I don't know. Yeah, like any. The assumption is footage. the assumption is from the Kliyakar. The Kliyakar has this famous answer that the world before the Mabel was a world where the land was clean. There was no pollution. The world was absolutely perfect, and such wor- such a world was very conducive to long life. It allowed them to live very healthy, happy lives without any problem whatsoever. The land was perfect for it, and that kept going. After the Mabel, it took a little bit, but eventually the age started going down and down and down. The world became worse and worse and worse as it got farther away from the perfection of the world that was before the Mabel. That's the Kleoker's answer. What does that have to do with the age that they're giving birth? Like, they could have just started at the same age and just gone on for longer. I, I would assume in the same vein, and again, we're dealing with speculation, it would be weakness. You know, just simply put, the people were weaker as time went on. As time no, went on, just people could handle it. A, a, woman, a woman was would be able to give birth at the same, starting at the same age, Regardless. Oh, I hear what you're saying. Starting, you're right. Maybe starting would, wouldn't necessarily differentiate. Maybe, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know. It deals with constituencies. So if, you're, if you have a weak constituency, then you probably would have to be a little bit older to give birth to a healthy baby and a little bit younger than what they used to be. You know what I'm saying? Like if they were healthier before, then maybe you could give birth earlier and give birth later. Like you'd be able to give birth because you're super healthy. You could give birth at the age of five and at the age of 200. Because your constituency is super healthy. But once you get weaker, then it would go both to both. But again, this is all speculation. It really has nothing to do with this. But yeah, th- that's all this. The Ramban... We don't, know, we don't know any of the mothers before, like any of the Imaos before, like other than Sarah. We don't, I mean, other than um, Chava, do we know like what age they actually gave birth? You know how old Chava was when she gave birth? I mean, are you talking about like Chase with 130 or Cain and Hevel in day one? Like, I, right, I, saying, why would we know anybody else? Other than Chava, do we know of any other mother at that time? No. There, no, okay. 
Yeah. I mean, no, Nama, but we don't know how old Nama was. Nama might have been super old if Nama was, you know, uh, two Vulcanian's sister. So she was over 1,100 years when she gave birth to Shem Kham and Yafes. Right? So Did that would have been... Yeah. I'm sorry? Did Nama's wife even have a name? Nama. Yeah, Nama. Oh, that's Nama. Okay. Yeah, we just don't know which one Nama was, right? We don't know if it was Nama, the sister of Tuvalkayan, or a Nama from somebody else. We don't know. I mean, that, that's the Machalokas Midrashim. Right, anyway, the Ramban doesn't understand this answer at all. Avinu lived until the age of 175. Now, 100 years old was a little more than half of that. If a person normally lives to, let's say, the age of 80, that's a, a normal age by, you know, the middle age time, by the, I, Rashi, that's actually a really nice age by the times of Rashi, etc., that would mean, like, you're giving birth at the age of 40. That's normal. Why wouldn't that be normal? 175 to 100 is somewhat close to this idea. Saruman died at the age of 127. So 90 is not so bad. I mean, if a woman lives to the age of 70 or 80 and gives birth at 50, we're not crazy shocked by it. You know, it's not like people are going to be there and just be like, oh, how could it be? She gave birth 37 years before she died. So why is that so crazy? She, he gave birth 75 years before he died. In fact, Avraminu did have six other children much later when he was at least 140. So he did have six children later on. Why was this considered so shocking? How did Avraminu even say it as a statement if that clearly people were living longer lives and it should be that that was something normal? Again, we have ages that are mentioned in the Torah of when the, the youngest age when they gave birth, but it doesn't say how long it could be. The age really shouldn't have been so shocking, says the Ramban. Now the Ramban answers that Avraminu was not questioning the age of 190. He said, I know that a 100-year-old can give birth and a 90-year-old woman can give birth. What's shocking to me, says the Ramban, that Avraminu was saying, is that an 100-year-old married to a 90-year-old for 70 years and had never given birth, all of a sudden gives birth. That's the shocking part. I'm not questioning a 100-year-old giving birth. That can definitely happen. A 90-year-old giving birth, that could definitely happen, especially with our ages. I have no problem with that. But for both of them, after 70 years of childlessness, of barrenness, all of a sudden happened. That's the shocker. So he wasn't questioning the ages. That's how the Ramban looks at it. Again, Rashi is looking at the ages, at the ages, and saying the world must have become weaker. And that's why he was questioning it. The Ramban saying that cannot be. It can't be. It simply couldn't be because their ages prove the world wasn't that weak yet. So it must be that they're questioning themselves and how they had it at the age of 190 when we've been married for so long, how could it be that we didn't have anything? Now there is a Sifzei Chachamim over here, a Sforno that talks about the Mizrahi, the Gur Arya, the Nachalas Yaakov, the Be'er Basada, and there's a lot to do over here. But I think that idea is right there. Now you should know, the oldest woman to ever give birth to a child through IVF treatment, right, that's in, in vitro fertilization, was Dalajinder Kaur, and Apologize, I apologize to Ms. Kaur if I pronounce her name incorrectly. She gave birth to a baby boy, Arman, in 2016. Now, her age is not confirmed. Not confirmed. She claims to have been 68 years old. She certainly looks 68 years old, and I don't mean that in an offensive way, but she definitely looks older, but she claims to have been 60 years old. In the Guinness Book of World not Records, the oldest one, meh, in a way, but the oldest woman is Maria del Carmen Bosada de Lara. And again, my apologies if that name is a little bit off. 
She gave birth to twins in 2006, again through IVF. She is the oldest on record, I believe in the record book. She is 58 years old, 58 years old. Now, um, I think I might be wrong. I think that might've been 68, 68 and 73. Maybe I got those ages wrong. The oldest Jewish woman to give birth is Chaya Shachar. Chaya Shachar, that sounds like a nice Jewish name, right? She gave birth to a boy, Shimon Chaim, in Bnei Brak, at the age of 65, after being married for 46 years. She got married at the age of 19. She gave birth at 65. Can you imagine that? 65 years old. Naturally, the oldest woman to have given birth in a natural way was Dawn Brooke at the age of 59 in the Netherlands in 1997. The oldest father was Les Cowley of Australia, who conceived a child with his much younger Fijian wife we met through an online dating service. At the age of 92, it was his ninth child at the age of 92. But again, that's not confirmed. They didn't do DNA testing. But 92 was the oldest man. Now, these ages show you clearly, now granted, most of this through IVF, and that's obviously supernatural for the time that wouldn't have been there but 65 59 73 68 those are close sorry man who's 90 that's not so far off it's not crazy to be able to say that this wasn't within the realm that a Kaddish Baruch Hu could put it within nature to do especially with their ages being 127 and 175 at the time well, and, except for one thing mm-hmm. the Torah claims that Sarah stopped menstruating Right. That was the problem. Right. That is the problem. As we mentioned before, right, all the way in the beginning, that without her Nita status, that would be a very, very difficult for it to, for that to have gone through, which is a a definite true, it's a true line. It's a very, very strange thing to be able to have been able to happen after she stopped, but it can happen even after Nita stops. It's a possibility. It is possible, even though it's almost impossible. There is a possibility for something to happen. But I wanted to put, the, what I'm saying over here is I'm not downplaying the miracle. What I'm saying is the Ramban seems to have that, like to use that within this world. It's possible that they weren't complaining about their ages. It wasn't Akasha about their ages. It was more about the amount of years they had been married without having a child. That's what had bothered them so much rather than the ages. Of course, Rashi would say, nonetheless, 90 and 100 is super old. And therefore, it's still miraculous. I'm not questioning anybody. This is not my point. But the point over here is to say that this seems like the Ramban would have, not a proof, but an idea that would be backing them up, so to speak. Nonetheless, we have to ask this question. We'll end with this. Why did a Kaddish Baruch allow Yitzhak's birth to be delayed for so long? Why do that? Why would you have done such a thing? I mean, it doesn't seem like Avram and Yitzchak did anything at this moment to deserve a child. What did Avram and Yitzchak do? What did Avram and Sarah do right now that Hashem said, now I have to give them a child. Now they deserve to have a child. They'd been the same tzaddikim they'd always been. What had changed now? And of course you could say tefillah. You could say tefillah, you could say they daven, and finally their tefillah went through. But it's not like the psukim tell us that they all of a sudden daven and something happened. Now, I will say, time out. Rosh Hashanah, Sarah Nifkidah. Sarah was remembered on Rosh Hashanah. That Rosh Hashanah, she was remembered. And that's why we speak about the Akedah. We talk about Sarah Menu and Yitzchak Avinu on Rosh Hashanah because we know that Sarah was remembered on Rosh Hashanah. So clearly she did do something on Rosh Hashanah. There was something special about Rosh Hashanah. That is definitely true. But Victor Miller has an idea here that I think is absolutely amazing. 
says there's three reasons for this. Three reasons why this child had to happen now and why it had to happen after all these years. One is, these two great people poured their hearts out in tefillah to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for many, many years. Something that may not have been done otherwise. If they would have had a child when they were 30, 40, 50 years old, they may not have davened the way they did. So therefore, these tefillahs not only helped their present children, it helped their future children. It helped all the future progenitor, all the future children that would be there, the entire world. It allowed them to gain more perfection, more awareness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and a perception of his control over the destiny of man. Says Rebekah Miller, they became unbelievable people and they davened so much because of this. That's why Hashem wanted them to be that way. A second reason is because this child would be the future of the entire world. To have the future of the entire world, Hashem needed Sarah and Avram to be perfect. And until this point, they weren't perfect. Whatever they needed to do, and the Torah does not tell us what they did, something happened that allowed them to become perfect at this moment. At this moment, they were good enough. Until this point, not. But now they were. Maybe there was an aspect of taiva that they still had. Maybe there's an aspect of gaiva, of kavod that they still had. But they rid themselves of everything completely. Now their motivations were purely l'shem shamayim, as the Ksav Sofer says over here. And now Yitzchak will turn into the perfect situation. He'll be born to the perfect parents. And the progenitor of the world, that's what Yitzchak Avinu is, will be born to the absolute perfect people. So again to wait for their perfection, for them to daven, number one, to wait for his parents' perfection, number two, and number three, why did Yitzhak have to wait so long? The third reason is to symbolize the long wait that we're going to endure until the final geula, that we sit there, and even though this long wait gives us some to lose hope and think that the cause is lost, is Mashiach really coming anyway? Seeing an old couple who have long given up hope of ever having a child for themselves. And seeing them have that child brings an unexpected joy of Yeshua, showing that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is behind everything and will do everything in its proper time. If you've ever been at the bris of a child, of two parents who have been waiting a long time, and a long time is relative, to have a child, if you've ever been at a bris of people that have been waiting, you will see tears you will see laughter. You will see two people who could not imagine anything greater for themselves. And that's what the Geula should be like. Yes, we've been waiting so long, but once it happens, Uz Yimale Schok Pinu, the same line we said before, our mouths will be wide open, thanking a Baruch Hu, begging a Baruch Hu for more. That's the idea behind it. And maybe that's shot in the Rabbeinu Ephraim. These three answers that we just gave, Tefillah, for them to perfect themselves, and as a showing of what are Yeshua is going to be like, the Geula, Lasid Lavo, says Rabbi Ephraim, the Rashi Tevis of Haleben Meashana is Moshe. He doesn't explain anything else. Haleben Meashana is Moshe. He says, the Haven im Chachamata. Understand this if you're wise. Figure it out. If you're wise, you'll understand what I mean over here. What does Moshe have anything to do with Avram Vinu complaining, he, is he 100 years old? Because this connects to the concept brought by Rav Miller. The Pasuk shows there will be a Yeshua, a real Geula, a Moshe Rabbeinu that's taking us out of Mitzrayim at the end of the day. But we have to wait for it. And sometimes it takes a long time. Sometimes it takes a little too long. But when it happens, when the Geula for Mitzrayim happens, when the Geula for Mashiach happens, 
We could never be happier. We could never smile that large. Oz Yamali Schokpinu, we should be Zoha to see it very speedily in our days. Shkaiq everyone, have a great